0: This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers—they're here to help.
1: He has time. Launches it to the end zone. Touchdown!
2: Terrence Williams. Throw goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He puts. Oh, Oh, he's the wide open Raider. Let me the ten. Let up the right
0: sideline. He's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their hello and welcome to republic of football recap edition sunday alongside mallory hartley and carter yates all right guys we're just gonna jump right into this one because we got a lot to kind of talk about both good and bad i would say um just a lot of things we expectedly a lot of things kind of happened on Saturday Um, so let's just get into it we're gonna start with our four games of the week let's start with the one Carter was at in Austin Kansas State uh, Texas Texas 33 Kansas State 30 and I mean Carter of course mixed bag probably from Malik Murphy but I think in my opinion good enough and kind of what your takeaways were were if this defense is like this and his run game is like this, it may not need to be more from him.
1: My take on it is if the front seven is like that, I still think Texas is mm. secondary has some issues. They probably need to figure out yeah. But the defense of front seven. I made the joke about it is like, Oh, look, here's the blueprint for stopping Kansas state's rushing attack. Get a two deep full of 300 pound defensive lineman that you can rotate in. Right. Because, Kansas State had, I think, 29 rushing attempts for 33 rushing yards. Now, some of that is sacks uh, that are played in. But, like, I mean, Texas defense had a masterclass. Pete Kwiatkowski, there was a lot of questions going in about, you know, some of the Houston game. And maybe this game kind of looked like the Houston game for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I thought they did a really good job. Malik Murphy, not the day he probably would have loved to have. The first quarter – was electric. First quarter was like Quinn Ewers, Alabama. First quarter last. Yeah, year. he came out. They
0: they really they really diversified the, the play calling. Um, uh, they stayed away from that Savion Red package for a little bit. Um, <laughs> but they were able. They were able to. He was able to connect on some deep shots. I did like your tweet about like to be fair, it takes people a while to connect on <laughs> deep shots with Xavier Worthy. Uh, yeah, but then he, then the Mitchell, kind of became that guy for him.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I I liked your tweet, too, about Sark calling the Savion Red Cat package, like, landlord, raise my rent. I want to grind harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to make this as hard on myself as possible,
0: basically, every time I saw that package.
1: But, yeah. Yeah. I, th- um, I think the like- big thing for Malik Murphy is this game should hopefully give him confidence, because I don't think Quinn Ears is going to come back next week. Um, they're still being very vague on his injury. That makes me think that next week versus TCU, Malik Murphy will play. And I hope this game gives some confidence of saying a lot of what Stark was saying in the press conference is like, dude, you don't have to make the home run play like every play. And hopefully this shows that you can have a few mess ups and your D your team is going to bail you out. Like your team will help around you. Um, Look Malik Murphy threw an interception that was intended for the left guard. Uh, He (laughs) threw about two other interceptions that were dropped where it was like he was actually throwing to his eight-year-old son. Right, um, it was bad. It was the there were a couple of
0: bad throws, yes.
1: he. I mean, he has thrown some of the worst interceptions I've seen in college football this year, and yeah. he's young. I get it. He is a young player, but credit to him for stepping up in that final drive when Texas needed a field goal and driving mm-hmm. them down the field on the fourth and four path to Jatavion Sanders. Uh, I thought he stepped up when they needed it most, and that was like Texas got punched in the mouth. Like they gave up, I think they, a twenty-seven to seven uh, lead evaporated in maybe two and a half minutes. Yep. Uh, so credit to him for bouncing back on that.
0: Yeah, and then uh, you mentioned more with the front seven. I mean, Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Ethan Burke, unblockable basically for a lot of that game. Um, of course, Kansas State went for for two, which I, I appreciate the aggression from Chris Kleiman. Um, I don't. I do. to, Can I we don't... talk about that? Can we talk well, about so, that? Yeah, sure, sure. So I like I like the idea of going for two in that situation what i don't like is i don't if you're going for two i don't think that they set up the last play correctly i think you call different plays on second and third down if you know you're going for two if you or sorry on on, if you go if you're going for the points what i mean um not not for two but on on the the fourth down is what i mean
1: okay i yeah i get that i thought the game was over when on the first play of overtime. Well, Texas gets the ball first in overtime does nothing. And right. then Kansas state throws it down to the six yard line. And I was thinking like this game is over right. um, they didn't set up those plays correctly, but I do like going for it for the school yeah. because I wrote it in the piece after the game. It's like, dude, Kansas state had no business being in that game whatsoever. Yeah. And you yeah. see coaches all the time. Like they're in a game. They should not be in and they extend the game or they don't go for the win. And there's some online discourse I see about like Malik Murphy and the offense were not doing anything. Like Kansas State's offense was hot. You should extend the game. You can win the game. And I do somewhat agree with that. But at the same time, Kansas State was dead. They were mm-hmm. deader than dead in the first yeah. half. And Texas actually CPR revived them by gifting them four turnovers. And I think when you're in that situation, you go for it and go for the win right there.
0: You go for the win. And so, yeah, I didn't. I, I said two point conversion, but I'm on fourth down. If you go back and watch, by the way, so when they get to that the six, the first play call, if Will Howard take cuts right instead of left, that's a touchdown. Like, like mm-hmm. if you go back and watch it, the, he follows his blockers, which they set up to the left. So, like, I get it. But like, if you there's a moment when he pulls the the or no, it's a it's a power, and so there's a moment when he goes forward, and if he literally just like looks a little bit to the right they've cleared like enough of that side to where he gets in the end zone and Kansas State wins again he follows his blockers so like he gets I think like maybe a yard or two um to the left but then second and third down I don't know if if it was like a split second decision to go for it on fourth down but it didn't look like they were setting up to eventually go for it on fourth down in my opinion I think they called uh I think they called a draw Or no, I think it was a pass. It was both. It was two pass plays, right? On second and third, I think. I'm not for certain. I think it was. I think it was two pass plays. And in my opinion, you call one more run, right? If you're going to go for it. Right. Um, And that way you can give yourself a chance to run on on fourth down instead of, you know, they had to they had to drop back and pass because it was like a, a long four yards to go. So, that that was the only thing. I didn't hate going for two. A lot of people hated going for two. I saw a lot of people say, that's why you take the points and all that. It's like, no, that's why you probably call different plays on that drive. But, anyway, for Texas, though, I think that this defense, front seven in particular, like you said, had the game that it needed to have. So, um, I I was very impressed with that. And, they, like you mentioned, they punched Kansas State in the mouth and then kind of got a little, you know, uh, uh, they kind of led up towards the end to where they were able to come back into it.
1: I've seen a lot of Texas games in my day and that was probably the most Texas game of all the Texas games I've ever seen in my Texas.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes, 100%. That's a good way to put
1: that. And they I think this team is different because Sark said it in the post game but the mark of a championship team is you can win in different ways and when everything goes against you you pull it out and I get they didn't play well in the second half. They have so many things to clean up, but it is much easier and much better to clean those things up after you're eight and one, instead of seven and two when your big 12 title hopes and your college football playoff hopes are dashed. And also me personally left hand up everyone, because I said in the end of my piece that it looks like Texas and Oklahoma might be on a collision course to the big 12 championship game. And that aged, like milk it lasted about two minutes i think i went to a restaurant with some friends and i saw they immediately lost i was like there goes my piece (laughs) and then yeah and uh I mean, we did I, – I did also say we'll figure
0: that out this yeah, weekend. Yeah, you did. Right? Like, literally straight up because, of course, we knew Bedlam was this weekend. And then mm-hmm. Iowa State-Kansas was also this weekend. So, like, automatically we were just going to take out three contenders from the Big 12 title race. Who cool, so, won that game?
2: Kansas-Iowa State. Uh,
0: Kansas, Kansas,
2: Kansas
0: won 28-21. Okay. Yeah. So, cool. yeah, all of a sudden it's now a three-team – very clear three-team race between Kansas, Texas, and uh, Oklahoma State Probably all true. of a sudden entering the picture now as a – Big twelve uh contender. So we'll see about that. Um Which,
1: oh, so it would okay. It would be the funniest thing ever if Texas made the Big Twelve championship and lost to Oklahoma State. Like, can we admit that would be kind of hilarious? Not <laughs> not getting Oklahoma, but getting the other team and then losing getting the around. other,
2: yeah. that's
1: <laughs> how if that's how, <laughs> no, if that's that's how so the funny. Big Twelve tenure ended, of like an Oklahoma State team that actually had every Every impact player transfer from the program that lost to South Alabama and then somehow comes back and with a starting quarterback and running back
0: from Texas. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> That'd be it. pretty funny. That would be pretty funny. Um, of course, you're referencing Bedlam, which went ended 27-24, uh, Oklahoma State. Speaking of those Texans, real quick, Ollie Gordon, 137 yards on the ground. Shout out Ulyss Trinity. He's and awesome. then Alan Bowman, 334 through the air. I mean, they it was it was a great, fantastic game for the at least for the foreseeable future, the last bedlam. Um, all right, going back to games of the week, UTSA thirty-seven, North Texas twenty-nine. Mallory made, Mallory and Pickle made their uh, d- returns to the MC MC Mike. Did. at uh, a yeah, that stadium. go?
2: Oh, it was fantastic. the The, the game itself was not, uh, however. We uh, we, well,
1: had we can a- talk about the game. We, we talk about them. how'd your MC performance go. <laughs>
2: I uh I would probably give it an 8 out of 10. I was a little rusty to start off, yeah. but uh quickly found my groove there towards the end of the game. It was tough because I don't know if you guys read Craven's piece after the game. Um if you haven't go check that out. Um mm-hmm. but one of his takeaways from the game was like there's nobody there. This yeah. is a this is a team that could, you know, could potentially contend for a conference title or could have at the beginning of the year. And there was just nobody there against a rival. The weather was like 70, 73. I was about to say it was, was nice really, weather. Really and the student section was just non existent. So uh, mm. going back to my NC job, it obviously makes that just a little bit more difficult when the crowd yeah. has nothing to do with any kind of game atmosphere. <laughs> so, but it was fun. Pickle and I had a great time. We were, you know, pulling out all of our goofy stops but it was was a blast
1: (laughs) you did everything you could to will those fans the five fans that were there into the game
2: well and you know what so they uh they stack the second quarter with a bunch of different games right because mostly everybody's still there in the second quarter right yeah and we do these we do these hits at uh the quarter breaks or not quarter breaks the uh, timeouts like the official timeouts right during each quarter and after every single hit that we would do right before it, UTSA had some kind of you know touchdown oh. shooting goal so that made it that much harder too so it was like yeah oh, man like it was tough but it was it was it was a lot of fun I had I had fun so
0: yeah um this one I mean the big stat in this one is UTsa's first win in Denton in 10 years yeah uh, their last game their last win was 2013 the first time I think these two teams played um and yeah this one I mean
2: It was just like, it was. I was just going to say on the UNT side, it was just kind of like sticking to the script, right? Of like the last three weeks. I mean, they were down 27 to 13 at half to UTSA. You know, they, they kind of came back there in the third quarter. Um, They were down by, I believe nine. Um, And then UNT was driving down the field late there in the third quarter. And then Chandler Rogers throws a pick and then UTSA takes it uh I don't remember how how far they took it they took it probably into their own territory into UNT's yeah. territory and then they ended up scoring on that next drive but and then that kind of just sealed the deal with for UTSA at that point so yeah.
1: the second half UNT defense is technically good the problem is is they're letting the running back get 100 yards by the end of the first half
2: No, I was, I was going to say that like UTSA found very early on what was going to work. And it was, Hey, Frank Harris, hand the ball off to Gavorian Barnes, because Mm -hmm. that was going to work. UNT goes three and out on their first possession. UTSA gets the ball back. They run seven plays on their first possession, five of which were to Gavorian Barnes, um, that ended up, of course, in a touchdown, um, he finished with. 129 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. Um, and then as a team, UTSA ran the ball 51 times for 287 yards and four touchdowns. So they found very, very early on what was gonna break this UNT defense, and it was the ground game.
0: And uh, I think the thing, the thing that that I think Jeff Trailer saw, because he I was watching the press conference earlier in the week and he mentioned like those two running backs for UNT that we couldn't tackle, you know, last season and the year before, mm-hmm. where they're still there, right? Um, of course, I mean, meaning Oscar, uh, Oscar Attaway and Audehi, who, who yeah. both finished with, I think, combined over one fifty ish. But and so, like, I think Jeff Traylor was partially like, okay, let's not ma- let's make sure that offense doesn't get the ball a lot, right? Like, it felt because you mentioned the total rushing carries. Rocco Griffin and Robert Henry both averaged like five, six yards a carry as well um frank let's put it this way frank harris had 130 yards through the air and utsa won by double digits you know like it was one of those games or not almost uh, almost double digits but um it was one of those games where utsa knew the game plan and they knew that the way unt would get back into this game is if they gave up mistakes if they had if they kind of let them back in and it was like, okay, this offense is going to get theirs, so we just got to make sure we're just sound on our offensive end and make sure they have no other chances. Um, because, yeah, it never seemed like UTSA. Because the, the game never got like – it was similar to like in terms of like getting beat in the first half and like making a comeback. But it, there's been worse first halves for UNT yes. the last couple of weeks, right? Yeah, it was 27 and so, like, to
2: 13 and a half. It never felt like the game was completely out of reach for UNT. Right.
0: I think the the highest score was like maybe 14, 16, something like that. Like it, like I guess, like you said, it never got to the to the twenty eight three or something. Um, but it was also like for UTSA, it just felt like they never needed to get out of their first gear. Um, and I'm wondering if they felt like if they did, if they pressed a little bit, then okay, that's kind of making things, you know, three. There's a possible three and out here coming or whatever, right? So yeah, for UNT, I mean, it is it is frustrating um, because. Th- I mean, again, you're playing these teams really well. And we can talk about – I mean, on Friday, we can talk about kind of an interesting wrinkle heading into SMU. Um, They may not be healthy coming into this one. So we'll see. Um, I'm very fascinated about this game now on Friday uh, in Dallas. So, But, yeah, I mean, for UTSA, of course, it's just exercising a demon, right? They haven't won there. Um, So – and I think now – Again, we'll talk about SMU in a bit, but now it kind of like makes the AAC picture a little bit more
2: interesting, in my opinion. Yeah, because um, I mean, Tulane, yeah. they hardly beat uh, East Carolina, I believe. And East yeah. Carolina is bad. And they, I mean, they won by, I think, a touchdown. So I think yeah. it's less
0: than a 13 10, 13 10.
2: Yeah, pretty level mm. playing field. So yeah. And I luckily,
0: know. Uh, I know they get UT Tulane gets UTSA at the end of the games or the end of the year, so we'll see that on the yeah. field before. If we'll see a rematch, maybe. But um, yeah, right now Tulane, SMU, UTSA all tied at five and zero, and then Memphis at four and one in the AAC. So again, getting really, really interesting. And UNT, of course, now really struggling to find that. Uh, I mean, they have to win out now, don't they, to get to a bowl?
2: Pro- yeah, I think so. I think they have three left. So.
0: Yeah. So SMU, Tulsa, and UAB.
2: Again,
1: we'll we'll see. Not out of the picture. I do right. like the long term direction of UNT though. I'll because I'll say that. I like the long term direction of UNT. I do too.
2: Yeah. I do
1: too. I just don't in
0: my opinion, I just don't see how I don't see how Morris doesn't just take a L on a defensive higher. Like even even with the size, I don't like this defense in particular in terms of like it, it's supposed to be like a mimicking of Iowa state, right? Mm-hmm. Iowa state runs his three, three, five and all that, but like no one runs it well, except for Iowa state. <laughs> like I've never mm-hmm. seen somebody go, like we're seeing it with TCU now, right? The three, three, five just is not mm-hmm. a very sustainable, especially when you can't get the guys who have the size. Cause like very few teams run the three, three, five or people run through odd fronts. Like that's not, that's not a uh, unique but they typically make up for it with maybe kind of a roaming linebacker or something right. else. You're just giving yourself so much, so less, so much less breathing room when teams like UTSA, who are decent running teams, they're just like, Yeah, we'll just run it 50 times. It's like they're fine, but like people know that Frank Harris is their guy. And they're like, Yeah, no, we don't need to, you know, we don't need to play him that much.
1: Uh-uh. So it's been a tough year for the three, three, five it's been a very tough year
0: <laughs> but again even somebody like i mean you, this might be a little bit before your guys's time but like rich rodriguez's west virginia teams mm-hmm. they ran they're kind of like i don't want to say revolutionized but they like modernized the three through five they kind of made it brought it to the mainstream uh similarly because of reasons why you see unt running it it, they ran the read option, and so their offenses scored really quickly, and so their defenses just kind of needed to be fast and you know kind of deal with a lot of possessions and things like that. But like it, when when Rich Rod won, those defenses were never that were never that good. And then when Rich Rod went to Michigan, those defenses got torched when they immediately when they went to the, the the another level. If you go back and watch those Michigan teams, it was always about wow the offense is awesome, and then it didn't matter because like Denard Robinson could put up fifty points. And they always give up fifty-one, and so like, I don't know. Again, the right defensive coordinators can get it done, but I've just never been a fan of the three-three-five. And I think Eric Morris kind of like five-d chest himself a little bit, where he's like, "What's a defense I hate coaching against? It's this defense. Let me add the." And so it's add like, a, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Let me add this into my program. So I don't know. I I wonder if they just go back to the drawing board completely and just say. What are we running now? After that,
1: yes. like, I hate scheming against the triple option, but you know, we're not gonna run that. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, it's like sometimes you just gotta be like, well, that's weird. I don't wanna do that. And so yeah. like, <laughs> I don't
0: know. All right. Um let's see, we got two more games of the week. Let's go to uh screw it, let's go to Oxford. Uh Ole Miss 38, Texas AM 35. Honestly, again, that was a lot closer than I expected. Yeah. Mi- uh, and misses, I think it was a block, actually, on a game-tying field goal as time expires. Um, and I guess one of the other uh, things was uh, Shamar Stewart gets ejected for low-blowing.
2: I saw that. I, did because, you see Lane oh, Kiffin? Lane nuts. Kiffin, yeah. Lane Kiffin, like, created it. it, too, and, like, tagged him and was, like, great sportsmanship.
1: <laughs> I mean the the offensive tackle not reacting when he actually got uppercutted in the family jewels is pretty <laughs> is pretty is pretty impressive that was like an old school wwe like low blow yeah. like the
0: villain like the villains behind the, the the face and like low blows them when the ref's not looking like that's like a theatrical like let me just yeah. make sure everybody sees it very weird um yeah and it just kind of highlighted you know everything uh i believe they scored their i mean It was kind of a whatever offensive output. I think one of their scores came from, like, a block deal goal or something. Um, Max Johnson was fine. Like, again, he is what he is. He actually was pretty good in this game, I thought. Um, Running game is what it is, too. They kind of got behind, so they couldn't really run the ball, I think, as much as they wanted to. And so I think Max Johnson finished 31 of 42, 305. So, like, again, good game from him. But uh, Ole Miss Miss, – we knew Ole Miss's offense was good. And, of course, this is probably a really disappointing – Output from uh the AM defense, but we know that Jackson Dart and Quinshawn Judkins and those guys, Lane Kiffin knows how to coach an offense. Trey Harris had over 200 yards
1: receiving. Um yeah, it's just kind of depressing times now on College Station. <laughs> let me let me hop in here and defend the Aggies, though, because it has been a tough year and it is a little depressing right now. Um, but Lane Kiffin taking the pot shots at AM all week. And then yeah. Jackson Dart, he had a quote after the game, was like, I guess they don't get enough attention with the games they're losing. You didn't win by enough to do this. Like, I'm sorry. All the social media beef leading up yeah. to the week, the Jackson Dart dig at the very end, like, personally, a 38-35 win that you squeaked out there isn't enough to, like, go pimping. Like, we're a way that... I get that, but I would argue that A
0: fans would not be ones to ask them to not do that. Like, I think they're probably like, "Yeah, that's fair." Like, because no. like, I think they're just done. Yeah.
1: I'm saying more. I'm saying more on the lines of like Ole Miss, not like oh, A sure, sure. should be offended. Like this, no one yeah. should be totally offended by this. I'm just saying, a- Ole Miss is a program. Like yeah. this, like I don't know about those moves. No, I mean
0: that's fair, but that's all I think that's also them just taking on the persona of Lane Kiffin. Like Lane Kiffin's just gonna do that kind of thing. Um, whatever kind of grinds people's gears, basically. Um, I forgot he, he tweeted something earlier that wasn't even I don't think it was related to this game. But it was just like things like he will do things like that. And it's like, yeah, okay. Um I think what was one of oh, uh did you see the old Miss foot, Ole Miss Football tweeted out like something like the TCU? Uh I think it was like what TCU used to do last year. Um, one of those like crazy videos or whatever where it's like kind of memed oh i did memed, see that yeah a meme dub video or whatever again yeah. like things like that like yeah they probably they probably shouldn't buy more if they want to do stuff like that but like i'm also like uh it's again that's what they do um they also have a turnover
1: basketball hoop i didn't see that they like dunk yes, that's or cool. is it a touchdown hoop is it a turnover hoop or a touchdown hoop i think it's a turn i think it's a touchdown hoop it might be okay. for everybody. I, don't, I think it's just if you make a good play, you get to throw a 360 dunk down. Like, that's oh, okay. Like the- yeah. Cause they have
0: like a, it's like, yeah, it's like a, a seven foot rim on their side. And they just dunk it every time. I guess it's every time they score. But anyway, it's just like, I think that's just the program. But if you're, in my opinion, I think this game encapsulated why A&M fans are done is because we thought this team, I don't, I don't want to say we thought this game would be a blowout, but we thought he almost could potentially run it up. And yet, even with like an offense that's kind of in neutral, a defense that's playing better, but probably still not up to its snuff. they're still three points behind the number 10 team in the country. And so I think they're just, they see this to game and they see this team and they're like, imagine if we had like a coach that we believed in, you know, like imagine if we had somebody who's able to take that. Cause right now, again, it feels like a program in neutral. Uh-huh. And it's like a program and these guys in neutral are three points away or four points away from beating Ole Miss on the roof. And it's like, mm. if we just had somebody who could make this team a touchdown better, right? Like, I think that's the frustration where you're just like, yeah, this may be worth eating a $75 million buyout contract, you know, like, because it, it's like, you see this and it's like, yeah, well, I, I don't know, like, this guy's now falling behind Kevin Sumlin in the a uh, and records, like, literally, he has a worse win percentage now than Kevin Sumlin, and they're still pulling, you know, these type of performances off, so yeah, I this one encapsulated like why I think like Ann fans are like,
1: yeah, no, it's done. It's done. The problem, the problem with Jimbo is he just does not have a signature win in his career. Nope. They he has so, a lot of games like these. <laughs> yeah, he's got a lot of almost games. Yeah. It's basically like any team that's in the bottom of the SEC, they're gonna win by like a touchdown, and yeah. then any team above them or above in the rankings or maybe a little more talented, they're going to lose by a touchdown. Like every game is close with them. So it's at at some point he is kind of like Kevin Sumlin results with the hype of he's a dynamic game-changing coach. And you just haven't seen one game where he's like Jimbo Fisher schemed that game or like Jimbo Fisher like put it on the line and won them that football game. They're very right. much mutual.
0: I mean, you know, I mean, at least Kevin Sumlin gave them the Johnny Manziel era, right? Like they have, wow. those, you know. In Johnny in, Manziel
1: gave them the Johnny
0: Manziel era. I mean, who who brought him there? Who brought him there? <laughs> like, I'm not I'm not saying that he's a pro, he made Johnny Manziel, but it's like we've seen Jimbo bring in guys and haven't produced an, a, a type of football, a brand of football, a season, right? Like, you know, you mentioned signature wins, like. Sure, it was Johnny Manziel, but it was like Kevin Sumlin was the coach when they beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa. You know, it's like things like that where it's like they can attribute an era to Kevin Sumlin, whether it's not it's Manziel or Kevin Sumlin. That's another thing, but like they can remember Kevin Sumlin and be like, "Yeah, that was a fun 2012 season." You know, the AM fans are like, "Yeah, I remember when we frustratingly got left out of the playoff that one time. Like that was that's kind of like <laughs> that's kind of it. Remember when Ke- remember when Kellen Mond was pretty good? You know, that was like <laughs> that was like their their best memory." Um, outside of
1: outside of the COVID year, none of the Jimbo Fisher seasons have been fun. Right, exactly. None of them have been fun,
0: and even the COVID year was like they were not fun to watch. They were good, but they weren't fun. I would say, yeah. in my, opinion. I don't know. It was it was a lot of like it was a lot of like this team just like very experienced and talented. They were just kind of pulling out games. I don't know. That's just me. Maybe NM things feel different. But
2: was that when Hangs King? Was the no, no,
0: that was the that was the Kellen Mond year. That
2: was Kellen Mon's
0: last year. Oh, that was Kellen Mond year. Okay. Yeah. Um because
1: yeah, I, I, think, yeah I, I don't know. He so, he go ahead. I think some of this AM stuff, and I, I'm not sure uh if this is what AM fans are feeling, but sometimes when I look at Jimbo Fisher, it's almost like it's like he's kind of okay with what's going on sometimes. It, it doesn't seem like he's like this is super disappointing, and we have to make this He's very much just like, oh, we're trying to get bowl eligible. Everything's still there to play for. And it's like his right. expectations are way tempered compared to what the fans' expectations are. And I don't know if I'm off base in saying that, but that's kind of the feeling I get sometimes. Maybe.
0: Maybe. Uh, we'll see. I mean, probably, I mean, keep eyes to Aggieland, I guess, for mm-hmm. the end of the season. Um, all right. Let's go to Texas. Uh, yeah, let's go to Lubbock. This one was a Thursday game. To, to uh, excuse me, Texas Tech, 35, TCU, 28. Uh, of course, Baron Morton came back for, for the Red Raiders. Uh, played pretty well in this one. Um, I thought this was one of Zach Kittley's best called games. Uh, very balanced, uh, over 100 yards on the ground again for Taj Brooks. Baron Morton, almost 300 yards through the air, um, no picks. And, I mean, sticking with Tech for the first part, <clears throat> I don't want to say this is a game that they – desperately needed because like again they lost games with jake strong at quarterback like i'm not the the sky isn't falling but it definitely is better just to get the vibes good again and i think for this one zach hitley is the biggest winner because the past couple weeks people have been talking about is he the guy to really take this program you know forward he's you know people are talking about he's probably not gonna be a head coach anymore at this rate for this at least in this offseason um and he i think he needed to show that you know, he, he, he's not somebody who's like one note, right. I can only pass the ball. I can only pass the ball. Um, you know, he can really have a balanced attack. I think the fir- I think the s- first or second drive from scrimmage was fantastic. I can't remember which one it was, but it was, it looked basically like, uh, yeah, the first drive, 14 plays, 81 yards, Baron Moore nine yard run on like a really nice design, uh, keeper. And so, yeah, I, I think this one sticking with tech and we can go to TCU in a bit. Um, I think this was a very refreshing win, not necessarily needed. Like, I'm not saying this was desperate times, but, like, it was really good just to get things back on track for them, in my opinion. I, I
1: think, think their vibes good. are much better now. Right. That they've
2: won mm-hmm. that game. Yeah. I think the real star what? of the show was not Baron Morton or Taj Brooks. I think it was the possum. I think that's what <laughs> The <laughs> I think possum getting like, dragged
0: out of the stadium.
2: I think that's what the vibe switcher was. <laughs> like
0: they're taking him back to prison. <laughs>
2: Correct. Right. <laughs> That's what I think.
0: Like right? actually,
2: lying on like, the,
1: the turf. Like
0: I was about to say, this was a cartoon. You would have saw like his claw marks being like yeah. dragged.
2: Away. <laughs> oh my god! It was
0: so funny. <laughs> I just love how like his, its like mouth was like fully open. It's like now, nah! like <laughs> as it's like being dragged out of.
2: <laughs> because last year during Here's the game, of... there was a or not last year two years ago when they played TC the it was it was fox, wasn't fox. it
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: So
1: funny. He, he just wanted to watch them ball.
2: He wanted I... to watch them ball.
1: Did you see the the video of him running? look, he was, was look so happy on the on the field. He was <laughs> like running through the, the,
0: the turf. <laughs> he looked so happy. Um, but yeah, like I mean, look honestly, if it takes a if it takes an animal to protect to beat TCU, you never know. In Lubbock, it's crazy things in Lubbock. Um, yeah, and TCU. I mean, oh man, look, uh, we can talk about um the injuries we can talk about the need to replace last year's players i think that and we kind of talked about this in the slack carters like i feel like this i'm not saying it's going to get this bad every time but it feels like
1: this is closer to what maybe
0: tcu may be than last
1: year Mm -hmm. i mean that is kind of just if you look at sunny dice's career outside yeah. of run last year this would what you think more of the norm is me personally like craven posed the question did sonny change or did the team change and i think the team did change like i think tcu's team sure. last year was a group of seniors who played out of their mind they caught lightning in a bottle and to sonny's credit he came into that situation was the right for that job like taking over for garrison who is is hard-nosed and kind of a authoritarian type figure it was almost like not the same like Barry Switzer taking over for Jimmy John Cowboys, like, mm. you know, um Sonny Dykes coming in is a little more like player friendly coach. Um yeah. And I think this might be what we see TCU as from now on. Now what's concerning is when you look at the offensive coordinator you brought in, um, maybe some of the transfers you brought in that haven't panned out. It's kind yeah. of like, every change they made to the program has been worse from that last season and that's where it gets concerning yeah no that's it like that's I mean people talked about and by people I mean
0: people like us we talked about like a lot of the transfers they brought in like oh I like this guy I like this guy I like this guy you know like Jojo Earl and J.P. Richardson Richardson's been good um and like Tommy Brockermeyer and it's like Brockermeyer really hasn't played that much and jojo really hasn't turned out to be the receiver that we thought he. you know like a lot of players who on paper i liked a lot and i don't think any of us at least i didn't like expected them to win go out and compete for the big 12 this this year right not this year that we knew it'd kind of be a rebuilding ish type of season but they're four and five now and like it looks like one they bet on the wrong quarterback again like chandler morris did not Does not look like somebody who should be, a, in my opinion, a Big Twelve starting quarterback. Um, it also looks like you picked a coordinator who's not going to get the best out of this offense anyway. Um, in in Kendall Briles, a defensive coordinator who a- had moments last year, but like again, we talked about the three three five and all that stuff. Is he the type of coordinator defense as you're gonna, you know, is gonna get the that's gonna compete in the Big Twelve going forward? Especially when you're adding teams like Utah and. Arizona looks good. Arizona State's on the come up. And seems like that programs like that, he was like, okay, like what happens with TCU in that pecking order? Do they f- I asked the question to myself last night, I was like, who's dominating this new Big 12? And I was like, the first my first thoughts. was it? Uh, what was it? Say it again. Colorado. <laughs> no, I was gonna <laughs> well look here's to be to be fair. So my first thought was Utah. I think Utah comes in and maybe runs the table the first year, in my opinion. Or Kansas State, obviously, it's mm-hmm. going to be up there too. Um, but then you look at, like, I mean, honestly, Utah... Colorado's in its own bit of a mess right now. But, like, I'll say this who would you trust more in an offseason to kind of fix some holes, Colorado or TCU? Deion Sanders. <laughs> like, like Sanders. on the field, I trust Sunny Dykes more, right? But if we're tr- in terms of, like, Attracting, attracting players and fixing obvious holes like an offensive line and defensive playmakers, getting a quarterback, which I mean, I one I know one program that's done that better so far. Obviously, it helps it. It's his son, but like, <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Wide receivers, right? Like, I would trust the guy in Boulder right now more than that. Um, so I don't. Again, that's what I was looking at. I was looking at it next year, and I was like, that's a lot for TCU to fix in one offseason to like get them back to like, not just, I'm not talking about a bowl. A bowl game might be out of the picture. They got, to, they got Texas Baylor and Oklahoma coming up. They got to win two out of those three. Um, I'm talking about getting back to contention, like eight, nine wins in a new big 12 that where eight, nine wins should be an expectation for this type of team. So yeah, it's, um, we'll see. It's going to be a lot of holes to fix uh, for, for TC this offseason Cause I see a quarterback, I see a wide receiver and I see, a lot of defensive players potentially (laughs) that need to be coming on board. Yep. Okay. Um, all right, let's get to the anxiety bowl in Waco Houston, 25 Baylor, 24, uh, a game that again, cool. Like uh, this one, you come out with a win. You're like, cool. Thanks. Like it's one of those, one of those type of games. Yeah. But then if you lose,
2: then the team that loses is like, Oh crap.
0: I was about to say. On like, the other it's one side of, those of that it's a little. Go, yeah. yeah, I was about to say it's a little. It's one of those games where, you're like, you just kind of feel like you need a bath after you win, and yeah. if you, and then if you lose, you're like,
1: it's never been more over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, go after the game. David and after the game, this is a sad and broken locker room right now.
0: I saw that, and like the minute you start talking about locker room, yeah. It, it, it's 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 time like the minute you start talking about locker room stuff that is like waving the biggest red flag
1: you could possibly
0: imagine um, well,
1: and look we talked about like unt having not the best attendance mclean stadium attendance looks horrible right now and i'll tell you this there's uh that that
0: the name on the side of McLean Stadium does not like his name being an empty stadium.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So, I think- yeah, I mean, it goes to show you like, there's a booster base in Baylor that like, you know, that uh, I don't like, again, there's like people, people like to scold programs like SMU and UNT They're like, Oh, lack of attendance, all this stuff. And it's like, yes, but also like, I think there are, with group of five programs, it is you have to like earn uh a support, right? If you go through some years without up with some up and down turbulence, and it's like some stretches like UNT's had where they like go 0 and four, but then finish the season six and you know, things like that. It's like hard to like reel your fan base in. And so you have to like it has to be consistent. Baylor has that expectation of like, we won the Big 12 championship a couple years ago. Where's our fan, you know, like and you drove them out this quickly? So like there's a different level of expectation and kind of like standard there. And it's like, oh, you're not meeting that standard, even coming close to that. Yeah, we're done. And so I, I know Bruce Feldman put out the piece saying like, oh, it might be, you know, time to clean house, but I think he'll stay. That was like when it looked like they were on pace for like five wins (laughs) and they're not on that pace anymore. Like it's, it might be, it might just be time. For the first time, like, the past couple weeks, I've I've seen, like, the, like, it's time from, like, Baylor fans. Like, past couple weeks. They've been, like, really lenient and really, like – because, again, I think it helps that Dave Rand is a, a nice guy. Um, But now, th- for the first time, I've seen, like, universal, like, it's time. And I think it might be.
2: And it's the uh, fact so, uh, that they haven't beaten an FBS opponent at home this year. Not a single one. Nope. I mean, yeah. How do you how do you get the vibes up in Waco if you can't beat an FBS opponent at home? Much less a conference opponent, you know?
1: Right. I saw a stat from our daily bears. Um, Houston had scored 36, 49, 30. Oh no, sorry. Houston had given up 36, yeah. 49, 39, 31, 41 points. Baylor did not score until 220 left in the third quarter with a trick play. That is how you drive fans away from a stadium, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, so, wasn't it 10 to 7 for like ever? <laughs> or like ever. it was 10 to 7 like at that was, point,
1: right? Yeah, it was like 10
0: 7 at like half. Yeah, it was really it was it was a bad game. Uh we'll get to Houston in a little bit. We'll finish up with Houston, but so Baylor's schedule next year. Again, cuz I talked about t- to be fair to Baylor, t- to be fair to TCU, I talked about their trajectory and all that, right? So you Know who their non conference game is next year? Their group of five, they have Tarleton, which is, of course, their money. Uh, Tarleton's money game. You know, who, you know, who the t- Baylor has their G5 game? They got Air Force.
2: Oh, god, right?
0: <laughs> they're hosting oh. Air Force.
2: Oh, right? no.
0: So they start out the season Tarleton Air Force at Utah oh, one and gosh. two. Easily, like, I will pencil that in right now if things stay the way they are. Um, and then they host – and then, of course, the new, new Big 12 schedule, they host BYU, Kansas, TCU, Oklahoma State, on the road against Colorado, Houston, Iowa State, Texas Tech, West Virginia. So we talked about new Big 12 and all that stuff. Baylor needs to make it, in my opinion, needs to make a change or they're automatically in the bottom of that new Big 12, like with everybody else looking the way they look. I don't think it's
1: it's not good. Um Air Force, didn't Air Force punk them in the bowl game last year too? Was wasn't that the Air Force team? Was that? In the Armed Forces bowl?
2: Thank did you. they
1: did. Yeah, you're right. right. 13
0: 30 to 15. Yeah. Wow. Yep, yeah, there you go. So again, uh we'll end on Houston. I mean, again, I don't think anything revolutionary was going to come from this game, but like it it was interesting. It's always interesting to see like panicked dana versus like even keel dana because after this game he was just like yeah it was cool you know like it was, it was pretty cool you know like i think they uh they went for two i think on their uh in overtime which ended up winning and so it was like they talked about uh i think it's called horns down because of course it is uh the play um and so like it, it wasn't it was interesting to see him like back to like Oh yeah, this play that we run—it's called horns down because screw those guys. You know, like it's like he'll, he'll always like take random shots here and there, or like pull us out, pull out his like little Dana, Dana-isms. But um, yeah, I, I do know, it, like a, like a, a nice, a nice vibes win kind of for them.
1: I think the horns down play comes from 2018 in West Virginia when he turns to Will Greer and says, "You want to win this game? All right." That's we'll- right in Austin, right? In Austin.
0: That's right. I do remember that. And I think that was the infamous Horns Down game. It was either like Horns Down became a flag after that game or was it started to be a flag going into that game. I can't remember exactly what it was, but like the Horns Down, that was, I think that became a flag after that game or something like that. Um, So that, okay, that is, that's pretty funny. Um, But yeah, I mean, nothing revolutionary for Houston, but, you know, it is good for them to get on the back off the snide. So I think that's also their first win against the Texas team in the Big 12, which is significant for them as well.
1: I mean, credit to Houston for winning that game because Joseph Manjack was out. I think Matthew Golden was hurt uh, (sighs) from there in that game. He was was hurt, right? He was hurt. He was what?
0: He was? I saw, right? Yeah, yeah, he was. He was. Okay,
1: yeah, so credit to them for winning that game. Uh, Also, the side note on Matthew Golden, um, I – Thought about it in the Texas game when I saw Xavier Worthy returning punts. I like how Houston and Texas both use their number one wide receiver as a punt returner. I think yeah. that's pretty. That's not done very much anymore. And so credit right. like to both teams for doing that and uh, getting those guys in the game. Houston, I, I think Baylor needed that win more, but it's really nice for Houston to get that because we talked about them. Their recruiting is really tanked. Um, some yeah. of the vibes around the program have not been as good, especially with getting stomped by Kansas State. It's good yeah. to get a win in that one. What does their rest of their schedule look like? What is the chance they go bowling? Let me
0: see. Uh so they are four, I mean they're four and five right now, and they get so they get Cincinnati coming up. I mean, so here's the thing. So they get Cincinnati and UCF to start to I mean, Oklahoma State's in there too, but they get those two games around them. So yeah, they get Cincinnati next week host Oklahoma State at UCF. So they could swing out a bowl. And if they do, I mean, there's no... Even if they m- win five, I think Dana's safe. Like, That's barring cool. getting b- going 0-3 in this stretch, I think he's safe. I think he's fine. Because, um, again, it it was always going to be a rough year for them. Um, the money's just not there yet to really, like, make a one-off season change to be a Big 12 championship team. So... Going bowling, even just missing bowl by one game. Again, you can you can go and play the whole like I did where it's like, oh, they're a Hail Mary away from whatever, who cares? But it's like results are results at the end of the day. When you're evaluating a coaching job, right? Like results are results. And so yeah, if you miss a game, if you miss it by one, and then you kind of look back at the Texas game and be like, oh, we could add that one. You know, you can kind of squint and see reason to keep him if I'm if I'm the kind of uh, department there.
1: Yeah, and I kind of thought Houston was going to go 3-9 and nine personally. So if they go bowling, like, that's honestly a success of a year. Yeah. Oh, 100%. 100%. So,
0: um, okay, moving on to – let's go to the power poll. Let's do that. Um, Sam Houston, they freaking did yes! it. Yes! They almost didn't do it, but they freaking did it. Um <laughs> Yeah, so 24-21, Sam Houston gets their first win – as an FBS program, I can't say first FBS win because Kennesaw State's not an FBS, but um it doesn't matter. Be.
2: They it will be. Next be. year. They are, transitioning.
0: they are a FCS independent program transitioning. Uh, this one started off 21 to seven, Kennesaw State, and it was looking bad. And then after all, so, so we talked a lot about like everything going wrong for Sam Houston. I don't know if you guys saw the touchdowns that Sam Houston had in this game, everything finally went right so the first the second touchdown that cut it that cut it to one as the third quarter's winding down he gets shoemaker rolls out of the pocket rolls kind of like he rolls out of pressure into pressure like kind of (laughs) like that's how bad the pocket was and he gets like tackled it by his foot and just flings the ball up and his guy comes down with it's on fourth down they're going for it on fourth down he just flings the ball in the end zone into like three guys and his guy just comes down but then it was like oh okay there's something they needed to go their way and then on the one that tied it uh it was like a rollout play it was supposed to be a rollout to the right and like Keegan shoemaker either didn't think he had room to like actually roll out to the right because again the pocket was so bad so he like almost like rolls back and to the right and then again just like almost throws it out of bounds and his guy makes like a diving toe tapping catch to tie it so it's like Two crazy plays. I think one of. I think this one was on third down, like third and goal, and then they, of course the first one was on fourth and goal. Just like little things, just like finally going their way, and they end up going down and kicking a game-winning field goal. So yeah,
1: I mean, obviously you know what? You know what? Don't apologize for that, Sam Houston, because you haven't <laughs> had anything go your way this year. So if Keegan Shoemaker throws up a prayer and it comes down, then good. He deserves yeah. it at this point. Like, yep. get, don't apologize for the win.
0: No, 100%.
1: Don't do that at all.
0: Um, I think the defense came up with a
1: big pick late, too. Uh,
0: I think Kennesaw State was near midfield, and uh, they threw a pick, and that's what Sam Houston was able to go and get the game-winning field goal. So, yeah, massive, massive win for them. I'm just happy that they're able to get that – get the monkey off their back because um, we knew that this would kind of be it because uh, they got La Tech. Again, La Tech is beatable, but it is what it is this season. And then Western Kentucky and then Middle Tennessee. <clears throat> and so who knows? right what happens after they get that first win do good vibe just kind of help out maybe i don't know and all of a sudden it's not as depressing of a season anymore
1: uh it got max depressing though when that 21 7 screen grab was sent in the slack and it was like oh by the way Kennesaw state is redshirting all their guys too so this is like say, yeah they're doing yeah. what sammy's did last year oh
2: my gosh that's terrible yeah
1: but we don't so, have to talk about
0: that because they won because so- they, so- they won <laughs> they won it's all good vibes nothing nobody ever questioned anything
2: no um
0: (laughs) all right moving on in the power poll. utep um all right so 20 21 13 west kentucky won um it's kind of one of those like if they weren't having such a bad season i would look at this and be like oh that wasn't a bad game but it's like in the context of having you know when going three and seven it's like adding another one uh western kentucky of course didn't play that great i mean they're five what are they five and they're five and four in the year and austin reed they actually did pretty well against austin reed who's one of the better quarterbacks in conference usa uh he only finished with 102 passing yards on 11 attempts or 11 completions so like again held them in check but yeah this one just um they couldn't really they really struggled to run the ball i think they also gave up over 100 yards to um to western kentucky so unfortunate and i think uh colin deaver asked um dana dimmel just about like hey have you had any has anybody asked you about your your future have you had any discussion which again it's always a tough question to ask but like it does something that need to be asked like hey what does it look like whether it's because it gives the coach a chance to say like you know talk about like hint towards retirement or hint towards you know we're evaluating right it gives a chance for a coach to answer and he just kind of threw it to injuries and, like, uh, uh, it was it was a very kind of, like, it was very much an answer that I don't know if they're going to have, let's put it this way, UTEP is going to have to make a move. Because, yeah. like, it's very, much, it's very much a, this isn't all my fault type of answer. Because he pointed to injury, he pointed to, like, circumstance, and he was like, guys, I've never had this much injuries before, and blah, blah, blah. And, like, I, I get why he said that because like, yeah, he wants to give himself some, some, some leeway, but it also shows it's like, I think he's going to look at, if somebody comes and asks him about his job, someone being the athletic director, uh, he's going to be
1: like, well, here's X, Y, and Z. So no, I'm not going to leave. You got to fire. me. Kind of thing. He's like, well, if Gavin Hardison was starting all year, we're seven and three. You know, <laughs> Right. So. Yeah. Literally. He's saying, yeah, we're continuing for a championship. Gavin Hardison's here.
0: <laughs> like, oh. Um. So yeah, uh, we'll we'll. It is what it is. I mean, again, in in a vacuum, if you lose by a score to Western Kentucky, that's not bad. But like when you're just seven, when you're three and seven, yeah, it, it's it just kind of piles up. So
1: I mean, credit to UTEP because that is a Herculean effort on Austin Reed to hold him to 102 yards passing on 11 completions. So 100. Oh, yeah. That is big time. The offense is unfortunately on the four string quarterback and can't really do anything.
0: Right, I was about to say that might be Austin Reed's lowest passing total since coming up to FBS. Yeah, looks like it because he was at Austin P. I think was it Austin P. No, was he di- or he was Division Two? I think when he came up to Western Kentucky because he took over for Bailey Zappy um, after they won after they made the championship game. So yeah, that's his lowest passing total as a Division One quarterback. So again, there's a silver lining, but unfortunately, that won't make people feel better. All right, uh, moving on. Talked about North Texas, talked about Baylor, talked about Houston. All right, let's get to Rice, and we'll go ahead and lump SMU in there at number two. SMU 36, Rice 31. Um, I mean, this one's frustrating because JT Daniels did not finish the game. Uh, Chase Jenkins, who, again, I will give credit. Chase Jenkins played pretty damn good, 10 of 15, 111 yards. Again, didn't expect to play, and he gave Rice a very good chance at pulling this upset. Um, Of course, should mention Preston Stone also did not finish this game. Kevin Kevin Henry Jennings was in for for SMU, which all of a sudden creates something potentially interesting going forward. I mentioned this weekend. Um, But we thought this was a game that we would see if SMU would be pressed because we knew that Rice would be able to put up points, and they did um granted we thought it'd be all on the back of <laughs> JT Daniels and obviously wasn't but listen I, it's frustrating it's gonna be frustrating if Rice doesn't make a bowl because I do think this game is very this team is like what pretty if, good
2: you know yeah, yeah
0: this team is pretty good this year but it, it, it may not work out unfortunately for them
2: did y'all see so, like the circumstances around JT Daniels and like how he got hurt and stuff so it was, he, it was like a officially when he got hit, they had to review it for targeting. Right. It was eventually. Okay, yes.
0: Yes. I did read that. Not,
2: yeah. They, they called that back and it wasn't JT Daniels finished the drive and it ended up in a touchdown
0: oh. and
2: after the game during the press conference, Bloomgren was like, yeah, I talked to him after that. He didn't remember the drive. He didn't remember scoring. And I was like, oh! what? Oh, that's bad, I mean. <laughs> so oh. isn't that nuts? I was like, that's, that's, that's insane. Like maybe should not have finished that drive, but I ended up in no.
0: touchdown.
1: Oh man. So, that is crazy. Yeah. yeah that's that was nuts. wild. So, so I, yeah, I, I did not uh, get to watch this game and I'll be very honest with that. So uh, I was doing some box score analysis before yeah. we hopped on and I don't, I didn't know how Rice was so close in this game because they had 290 yards to SMU's 484 SMU had 28 first downs to Rice's 13. Uh, and then I saw Rice blocked a punt and scored a touchdown off that. So special teams, most important phase of the game. <laughs> and that's what kept them in this game. Yes. Um, and also Isaiah Nookobia, SMU safety picks uh, pick to end the game. Shout out Isaiah Nookobia. We wrote a story on him earlier mm-hmm. this season. Check that out. TexasFootball.com. He's got a good story. Look. <laughs> yeah there you go no, he has well, a really okay. good story so uh, by the way did you see so
0: i mentioned chase jenkins who finished the game again fine thrown into a weird situation he threw he had one pick uh but he is from i believe he's katie at least,
2: uh, no I
0: taylor at least taylor there you go thank you um he had one pass and it was kind of a more better adjustment catch i, th- I forgot who made the i want to get who made this catch because it was like one of my crazier catches you'll see, uh, landing ransom goals. So, Chase Jenkins, like, th- he's on the run, he kind of just throws it up, and it- I think he's going for Luke McCaffrey or Dean Connors or somebody. And it goes over him, and Jenkins, like, fights off his man and, like, makes a diving catch out of bounds and kind of, like, adjusts his body enough to where his butt lands in bounds. And, like, mm-hmm. just before he hits out of bounds, like, it was an- initially ruled incomplete. Then they get the replay and it's like his body he torques his body like in a way to where like his butt just like hits very close. And that ends up being the, uh Rice's final touchdown, I believe, or one of their second to last touchdown. Um it ends up setting up their second to last touchdown, I should say. But uh, but yeah, so again we'll see. SMU, I didn't see any updates on Preston Stone. Uh Kevin Jennings, it's hard to like make an evaluation because like they really just kept it in neutral. He only attempted, I think, six passes. Mm-hmm when he came in uh, in the second half. So I'm trying to think. Uh ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, I don't see anybody updating uh, his status. So, again, we'll see. Um Both quarterbacks did not finish the game, so we'll kind of have to keep an eye on that going forward because that kind of – go ahead, Carter. Yeah.
1: Who, who does Rice play next? I'm curious. Uh, JT Daniels yeah. probably not going to play. Is that a safe right. assumption if you didn't remember that? Uh, they get UTSA. Okay. So that's tough.
2: Yeah. I think he's okay. in concussion protocol right now. Yeah.
0: That's tough. That's yeah. tough. They to get, which, so their last games are UTSA, Charlotte, and FAU, which would be doable if you had JT Daniels, like at four? to get a because they're at four and five. Yeah. Like, I think they still, like, Charlotte, they can win with Chase Jenkins, I think. FAU is going to be very tough uh FAU is not a juggernaut but i think that's a game that if jt daniels was healthy i would pencil them in to win that but i don't think they would have enough to do it without him uh utsi unfortunately i just don't think they have a shot without without jt Daniels. um smu though again we mentioned they have UDT coming up and then they have memphis and then they have navy so uh, we'll see. We'll again. I like Kevin Henry Jennings. Um, of course, shout out, shout out, sock. But he hasn't had to. They haven't needed him to do much when he's come in, right? It's been backup duty. It's been cleanup duty. Um. So I don't know. I, I he's a big. He was a big game player in high school, right? Obviously led them to their state title in twenty twenty one. But
1: we'll see, man. We'll see. We'll also, see. though. Kevin Henry Jennings has entered a game 3 times and they've won that game every single time. Shout out Joe yeah. Joe Hoyt for that little tidbit right there. So, who's okay. a winner. There you go. He's
2: 3 Okay, He's
1: 3 He is 3-0 when he
0: comes in the game. So there you go. <laughs> um yeah, okay. So let's see. Uh b- b- power pole.
2: That no, was we technically have one game left. We have one I game know, left. I
0: know. I'm going to the power pole though. So 7 TCU. So you want to six, talk about Texas it? Tech. Five Texas A&M, four Texas State. Okay, let's talk. I'm going in order here. Georgia, uh Tech State 45, Georgia Southern 24. Um, no, I no, tweeted no, no. Out. Let's
2: give a round of applause here.
0: <laughs> Texas State gets to bowl eligibility for the first time since 2014. Uh, yeah, I mean, just look, this. I tweeted that this is the most. This is the most impressive conference win they've had since joining the FBS. Georgia Southern has been phenomenal on offense this year. Davis Brin has been one of the best quarterbacks, probably the best quarterback in the Sun Belt, and they completely neutralize him. Best defensive game by far this season from Texas State. Uh, one touchdown, one pick for Davis Brin, under 200 yards, I think the first time this season. Coming off of a game in which they dominated Georgia State last week, and then, of course, Texas State was very disappointing against Troy. I mean, just overall, like, great scenes um in San Marcus uh, I wish I could have been there because of course Kelly Dampus, Don Coriel and GJ Kenny all kept their promise they said once they get bowl eligibility they were jumping in the river and they literally did not Hold do on. a press conference until they went to the river and jumped in the river and then they
1: came back into the press conference so Dude, the
2: vibes uh, are so good the vibes are so good
0: the vibes are great right now in San Marcus
1: were ish were you kind of like squidward looking at patrick star and spongebob running around outside looking at (laughs) social media the river jumping in okay would you have done it
2: though would you have jumped in the river if you were there
1: i
0: may have done it i may have done it after i don't know if i would have done it with everybody there i may have like tried to keep it professional (laughs) I might try to keep it professional with everybody there. And then, like, after the press conference, I would have, like, parked and, then like, done it myself or something. <laughs> but, like, I don't know if I could have done it with everybody there.
1: Floated <laughs> in the river by yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That. Reflecting exactly. on how At, far like, you've come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pulling a Kendall Roy and succession
0: just floating there by myself. Um, <laughs> but, no, like, it, it's it's legitimately awesome. Like, the whole team was jumping in the river, too. Like, it was, like, it was one of those, like, moments because again they've been bowl eligible before but they've added six bowl games since then to kind of avoid what happened last time um and so yeah I mean it's already it it was awesome I mean genuinely an awesome uh uh, on the field look at on the field I was worried because it looked like last week the team looked like they were kind of starting to get figured out and then TJ Finley comes out and puts up probably his best performance since the Baylor game uh I think he finished let me see uh, he finished twenty five of 31, 301 through the air, three touchdowns through the air, and then two on the ground. Um, so again, he was like phenomenal on both in both running and through the air.
1: And look, big time players make big time plays, big time moments. TJ Finley, yeah. seriously, no one hundred percent. And then the defense again
0: this is a feast or famine defense. I think that's by design. I tweeted that out too. Like when you have this defense and Texas fans know this too, when you have a defense that's predicated around blitzing and complex packages and all that stuff, when it's on, you're making plays and you're going to, you know, you're going to force some frustration and, you know, you're also going to leave some people open on the back end and you're going to get beat a couple times. So I think this was one of the good games and I think it shows the kind of what this defense can be. So regardless I will say this right now. Um, I am putting out a public notice to my bosses that I will be attending whatever bowl game as a fan. Um, <laughs> so, uh, whether or not I don't, I have no idea when the bowl game, or I know they're going to be between the, it's going to be before the 20th, I believe. Those are the Summit tie in bowls. Um, so, we'll see. And uh, if all of a sudden I'm missing at a state football game, you know why. So, <laughs>
2: We don't call them the oh, fighting Schmails for nothing.
0: Uh, <laughs> I think there's only one. I think the 16th is the only game I or the only state day that's in jeopardy because I think that's the only one that there's a Sun Belt Bowl on. So we'll see. Uh, hopefully that it's would happen that.
2: to you. That would happen to you. It would be on if that that would day. happen to me, what are you talking about? That would
0: happen to y'all. <laughs> I'm at the bowl game. What you talking about?
1: look like, <laughs> that would happen to y'all
0: what you mean that would happen things
1: are bigger than state some things are bigger than state
0: <laughs> i was about to say listen i'll put in i'll put in my shifts and i'll be like peace out y'all <laughs> <laughs> i'm hoping for uh if the if the gods are out there i'm hoping for myrtle beach or boca raton if anybody's listening so uh myrtle beach, i would love awesome. i would love that listen i've already said i'm going i would go to like i'll make a vacation out of frisco i'll make a vacation out of Birmingham, Alabama with a camellia bowl. I don't care. So we'll make a vacation out of anywhere. But if I had to choose, Myrtle Beach would be pretty nice.
1: I got some restaurant wrecks for you in Frisco. If you're taking a vacation there. Right <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, y'all want to go to, you want to come out to Frisco. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Carter's like, don't get a hotel for me. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I got a place to crash. Uh all right. So uh that'll do it. Of course, Texas uh sorry, the rounding out the powerful UTSA, SMU, and Texas maintaining their spot on top as the lone one win, one loss team in the state. So uh any lasting thoughts for the weekend? Um I have plug, go go ahead. Yes, go ahead. Y'all
2: see uh y'all see Texan Live made ESPN this morning?
0: Yes, I did. The Willis game. Yeah, the Willis mm-hmm. oakridge game, right?
2: It was the You Got Moss thing. Yeah. The DJ Lagway pass to Jalen Mickens. Yeah. Yeah. Over the top of that. Yeah, That's defender. awesome.
0: Was By so the way, nice awesome. fierce uh, stare down, too. He gave him. He like got the ball yeah. and he like stared him down. I
1: was like, oh, yeah.
2: okay. Here we yeah, go. A scary team. <laughs> that was awesome. So, yeah. hey,
1: Texan Live, a rocket ship, baby. And it's only going up. <laughs> Listen, if you saw that on ESPN, you're like, what is Texan Live?
0: Look into it. Look yep. it up. TexanLive.com. Check it out. Maybe subscribe as well. Who knows? By the way, uh, some more love to the high school side of us. uh slash playoffs If you're a high school fan listening to this, uh, if you want to, if you want to figure out which high school teams playing where, we have everything up right now. Brackets, locations. Uh, I know Mallory and Pickle are going to be swamped this week scheduling all those games for Texan Live and all that. So, it, all of our playoff coverage is on Textfootball.com/slash/playoffs we put a lot into it. You'll have, if you're a college fan wondering about recruits, Greg powers will be putting up players to watch in each region. As far as recruiting goes. Um, Of course we'll be scattered around the state for the next few months, just covering these games and being at them. So again, I know this is a college football podcast, but this is kind of our kind of our like wild time of the year uh, all across the office. So, as we build up now towards Christmas, towards state, uh, go ahead and give that a, a follow if you're somebody who's kind of unfamiliar with the high school scene. Just kind of give an idea of how much we do for Dave Campbell. So, uh, with that being said, of course, the four hundred one from Mike Craven is up right now on texvalve.com. Go check that out. Corey Hogue as well put up his uh, four downs from the non-FBS weekend. He will actually potentially be in Midland for the uh, Lone Star Conference Championship because Permian has a chance to win their Permian Basin has a chance to win their first uh conference uh this this weekend so uh so yeah Uh, either this weekend or next week I can't remember but regardless they have a chance to win their first conference uh championship so uh yeah and of course Carter and Craven's pieces from the weekend are up as well on textual.com please go and listen and uh Jimbo Fisher please give us a call looks like things are going very far south uh Rutgers unfortunately they lost Ohio State this weekend Uh, um it was like nine to
2: seven for a while i about to say it was close
0: for a while. It was close for a little bit. It was close for a little bit. So uh, unfortunately, they couldn't pull it out though. But regardless, go Rutgers.